everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of the good old podcast i'm jackie franchuli for wahoo's 24 7 and thank you for listening in so before we get to the bigger topic of this week's episode which focuses more on virginia football recruiting let's touch on a little bit on the virginia men's basketball team on monday we learned that for the first time in about a decade there was no virginia cavalier player on either the first or second all acc teams Jaden carner was the lone representative for the cavaliers and he was named on the third all acc team reese beekman who has had a stellar season on the defensive side of the ball playing honestly elite play he was named in the all acc defensive team However, he did not win Defensive Player of the Year. That went to Mark Williams of Duke. To be fair, Williams has had a great season as well. He's a great defender. But I think a lot of people just viewed the number of the vote discrepancy between both both of them. Um, I believe Williams had 40 votes compared to, I think it was 26 votes to, or 20 votes to Beekman. I think that's where... The, I think that's where a lot of people were angry, angered about it. Um, I, I think the issue is that generally UVA is well known to be a great defensive team, and they weren't quite a consistent defensive team this season. If you looked through their body of work, they didn't play the sound defensive basketball that you know UVA has been known to play. So I think the issue is generally when you think of ACC Defensive Player of the Year, you you automatically think, let's look at Virginia. However, when you look at Virginia's overall defensive stats, it wasn't quite impressive. So I think voters, now this is just me just, you know, hypothesizing. I think some things that the Virginia, maybe the voters did was they ignored elite play defensively because Beekman individually had a really good season they kind of ignored that because overall Virginia didn't play well. That's just my hypothesis of what might've happened, but now they kind of have to brush that aside. And, you know, Jane Gardner on Monday during a zoom call with the media said it was a crime that Beekman wasn't named defensive player of the year, but Gardner, Beekman, Kihei Clark need to brush off, I guess, all this, all this off because they have to focus on the AC tournament because at the end of the day, they need to win the tournament to make the NCAA tournament or at least, you know, at least face if they've beat Duke or North Carolina that possibly could help them sneak in because that's two quality wins if they face both of those teams. But again, if they win the tournament, they would get into the NCAA tournament and their postseason dreams will still be alive. So that is their main focus right now. We will have coverage from the ACC tournament starting for that first game on Wednesday. And we'll have some stories leading up and previewing those matchups as well on Wahoo's 24-7. But when we come back, we're going to switch our focus back to football because although March is known for basketball, it is also known for recruiting. High school athletes are allowed to visit schools. And when we come back, we're going to switch our focus to that to talk about how in-state recruiting is going for the Cavaliers. We'll have that in just a few seconds. And welcome back to the Good Old Podcast. We're now switching our focus to recruiting. And this month and next month, is going to be pretty big for Virginia. And I don't mean it's going to be two months full of commitments. I'm sure there'll be a couple kids who verbally commit to the program, but this is an opportunity for the staff to welcome players on grounds. That is big. A lot of these players 
don't have didn't have the ability to meet the staff yet during the first junior days in January. And honestly, that staff, although they were focused on introducing themselves to a lot of in-state high school coaches, when they visit in January, they're not allowed to talk to these athletes in person. The only time they're allowed to talk to those 2023 athletes and 2024 athletes were when they visited on grounds. Some of these players were unable to visit them. So now this is the opportunity for this group of athletes to visit campus again, well, grounds, and for them to see these coaches in action. You can talk about how you practice, you can talk about your coaching style, but there's nothing better to show these athletes how you coach and your plan for your tenure as a Virginia head coach, as inviting them to a couple spring practice. Now I'm just gonna pull up why I was 24 seven here for a second. Now, if you are a subscriber to our site, you realize that we have been keeping you up to date with who is visiting grounds in the next few weeks and months here. We also are keeping track on who is visiting other schools as well, because that's very important. You need to know where these guys are visiting, not just when they're visiting UVA, but where they're visiting North Carolina, when they're visiting Penn State, because at the end of the day, it's not just about visiting UVA. It's about which other schools are trying to lure them to their respective campuses. And you will know who is visiting where by tracking our visits here on our message board, March, April visit schedule master list. This is available to our VIP subscribers. We also keep up to date with what the big board looks like as far as the 2023 class. And then obviously moving forward to a 2024 class. And here to help us break everything down as far as recruiting, we welcome national recruiting analyst, Brian Dome. Brian, thanks for coming in today. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. You must have a slow week with spring break and everything to have me on. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know it was spring break, Brian? <laughs> How do I know? Because I know I didn't have to track down any UVA visitors over the weekend. <laughs> That's true, but you're going to be really busy once March 22nd comes around. That's when UVA starts their spring practice. They have the big recruiting weekend on March 26th. But before we get to that, I want your opinion about this new staff. You know, in January, Virginia head coach Tony Allen and his staff really made a point that they were going to take back the state, and they really went all out to go and check out all these new high school coaches, meet them, introduce themselves. What was your initial impression of this staff and just how they handled that January period and just introducing themselves to those in-state high schools? Yeah, I, I think, you know, first, before before you jump into what does it mean and everything, nobody knows what it means because you're two, three months in, you know, not even three months into Tony Elliott and his staff being in place at UVA. And there's there's always going to be people that pretend to to know you know, oh, yes, they've made great inroads or no, they're terrible. Nobody knows. But what they've done differently than the previous staff is, well, A, Tony Elliott is out there and visible in recruiting. And, and that's important um, because as it's been well documented, when Bronco Mendenhall was there, uh, you know, he was not heavily involved with recruiting until kids got on campus and, you know, his relationships, as you know, I had a ton of recruits tell me were built with the players in the program. Um, so I think from that standpoint, Tony Elliott getting out, getting to schools in January was important. Now, keep in mind, he can't get to schools again until the fall when you can go out for eval days. So, you know, when everybody goes out in the spring and in late April and May, the head coach is not allowed out, which is a, a problem. Um 
So then the rest of the staff also went out and, and you know, they, they can have a different message just in terms of, listen, Virginia is important to us, you know, Maryland, D.C., the, the, that area is important. And you can really, you know, start laying the groundwork to what you can do. Because, again, in January, the head coach can go to the school once, whereas the assistants could go once a week. And so it's more of – I don't want to say it's a grassroots approach because we're not that – deep into it yet because you've only had a few weeks in January when the staff was fully in place. But so far, they're saying the right stuff. Their actions are the right things. But listen, Jackie, you know, into, this is not recruiting 10 years ago. Recruiting now is show me. Um, and the kids want to see it. The high school coaches want to see it. And it's, it's show me what you can do for me. And I think those are the things that you're going to look for in the spring. And, and also, you know, you bring up the big recruiting weekend that they're going to have in, in late March. And I think that's important from the standpoint of let's see how engaged Tony Elliott is then, because when kids were on campus in January, he didn't have practices to get ready for and, and you know, a lot of the other stuff. So now it's more about, you know, can you balance the practice with meeting with the kids? I, I think one thing that, that, programs like Virginia will make a mistake doing sometimes is, is having too many kids on campus to where, yeah, it was great. The atmosphere was good, but you don't get a lot of time with the coaches. You know, it's different if you're going to Clemson or Penn State or Bama or Ohio State. It's a different kind of draw. So I think there's a lot left to be determined with, with how UVA is going to do things. Yeah, I always say you win the introductory press conference and you always win that first national signing day. You always have that honeymoon period that Everyone is excited about yeah. how what happens. I think the true test for this staff is going to be the 2023 class, 2024 class, honestly. Well, um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, listen, 23 is an interesting class across the country because because of the pandemic, when kids were allowed to visit starting June 1st, a lot of attention was paid to 22s. And even during the season, some 22s, you got some 23s. When, when you have, you got to remember, when Tony Elliott got the job, it was it was right before signing day, if memory serves right, and so he didn't have anybody on campus in December. So then you you know you spent the rest of December and January trying to recruit not only the twenty two class but also kids in your program to stay. I mean, we saw what happened on the offensive line uh, with kids transferring, and so you you know if you're UVA, you did not have a really good chance to build those bonds with 23s back in January. And so, yeah, you're going to start building those bonds now with the 23s. And this is your chance to kind of make some headway in the 24. So I, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, it was actually my next question is because they are technically they are starting behind in the 2023 class. You can argue that Coach Hagens, Coach Sintum and Coach 2J are three coaches that have already established some relationships with some of the guys they they recruited. But they also haven't re-offered a lot of the guys that they did offer previously. They're, they're still evaluating some of these athletes. So when you look at the in-state guys, do you feel like there's a there's a long there, – there's going to be some struggles keeping some of those top in-state guys in the state of Virginia yet for that 23 class? I mean, there's going to be struggles all the time with the way recruiting is now for Virginia and Virginia Tech to keep the top in-state guys in the state. Um you know, you, you see more and more the, the balance between the top programs and everyone else. The gap just continues to widen with recruiting, with NIL, with um, kids that, 
don't want to build programs, but kind of just want to go in and try to win championships. And, you know, every kid who's recruited, and, and this goes for every Power 5 kid, they all think they're playing in the NFL. And so they want to go to these places where they can develop kids. And, and I always laugh about when I listen to kids say school X can develop kids. Look how many they put in the NFL. And I get that that's a coaching pitch, but you think any of it has to do with the fact that maybe some of these programs are getting such elite talent that you don't really have to coach them up that much. You just have to show them technique. So there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, again, this is, you know, the, the ACC at this point, um, look, it, it didn't have a good year last year. Right. And it's, and again, it's a, what have you done for me lately kind of situation with recruiting. And so Tony Elliott and his staff are going to have to balance that out when you're, you know, just trying to, bring in some of the top players. And, and it starts with getting kids to visit campus. It's important to get the top kids on campus so you can start selling the idea and there's nothing better than those face-to-face relationships. So, but you know, when we're talking about top talent in Virginia, I mean, I, I think if you're talking top five guys, that's usually going to be a challenge to get a couple of those any year, you know, moving forward. I think one guy in particular that people really want to know is Cam Selden. He's such a talented athlete. He visited UVA, I believe, two to three times in the fall. He's got a really good relationship with Coach Higgins, but he also already has a crystal ball to Penn State. What is your feeling with Selden, and how far do you think the Nittany – like, what's the gap between the Nittany Lions and everybody else? Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say the gap is huge with it, but the competition is is pretty high. He was at Maryland over the weekend, so the Terps got a you know got to speak with him. He was able to spend a lot of time with Gunter Bruther, the new wide receivers coach at Maryland. The connection with Penn State is, I believe, and boy, this may pain some UVA people to hear this, but I believe it's uh, Penn State assistant Anthony Pondexter. I believe his brother used to work in the school. And so there's that connection to Selden and the comfort level there. Um, you know, I think in talking to Selden and I was at his school and, you know, him and I text or, or DM, whatever we want to call it, um, you know, a decent amount just on recruiting stuff. He hasn't been out to enough places to really have an idea on what he wants to do. If he runs track in the spring and puts up some of those numbers that you expect, I, I think some other programs are really come calling. It's really it's a school that's off the beaten track. I mean, I remember I visited Nolan McConnell School, and then from there I went to go see Cam Selden right after it. That was my next school. And I mean, it, it was like an hour and a half, hour 40, whatever it was to get to his school. Um, so it's way out there. So you better be a special talent for schools to go make a trip that far. You know, UVA, Virginia Tech, they'll, they'll do it because it's an in-state kid. But, you know, let's see how involved does North Carolina get to some of the Florida schools really push. Obviously, Penn State's there. Does Ohio State decide, yes, he can play for us? So I think a lot has to get worked out with him. I understand the crystal ball pick because Penn State, uh, if you're sitting here right now, you would say they're they're the school to beat. But I also think there's a lot of time left for schools to catch up to him. But, look, UVA has got to get him back on campus. Um, like you mentioned, he had visited previously in the fall. But now now you just got to get him back for a spring practice and let him see what your your new philosophy is and, and how things are different with the new staff. 
Uh, my next question actually was going to be Nolan McConnell. Since we both put in the crystal ball pick, he visited for a junior day visit in January. We both felt that it seemed like he was close to committing. Uh, I think the other school at that point was Penn State, ironically, as well. But it seemed like UVA was a team to beat. North Carolina just offered him. Um, do you feel like Nolan McConnell is the in-state Virginia recruit that we need to keep an eye on? Or do you feel like this North Carolina offer could kind of change things for him? Listen, I mean, I, I think when when you get the offer from North Carolina, it'll, it'll give him a moment of pause and he'll look at it. He's a smart kid who's going to be deliberate with what he wants to do. UVA has recruited him the best. They kept Garrett Tuget around, the offensive line coach at UVA. And so he has that strong relationship with them already. So from my standpoint and from talking to people, UVA is still in the driver's seat. And to be honest, this is a kid that UVA has got to close on. And it, it doesn't mean they have to close this week or next week. Just just get him on board when he's comfortable making a decision. But everything has lined up for UVA to get him. And if Carolina is coming in at this point and able to make that big of an impact, then it tells you that McConnell wasn't fully sold on UVA and was looking somewhere else to begin with. But I don't get that sense. I still think UVA is the school to beat. Um, I know he visited Penn State. I don't I don't sense that Penn State is pushing overly hard right now to get him. That could change if they go see him during the spring eval period and watch him work out and check what his flexibility is. But I, I still feel really good about that UVA pick. When you look at the in-state guys, and even the guys, I always say people always – make an effort to say in-state, in-state. It's I look at the six-hour radius. I look at Maryland. I look at, you know, Correct. some kids in Pennsylvania. Anyone that's in driving distance. When you look at that, which guys do you feel like UVA UVA fans should really focus on? I know a few guys, obviously, in App- Appomattox. You know, Penix is one guy that I think UVA should keep an eye on. Although Virginia Tech is obviously one to watch there for. But who are some of the Virginia guys that, that kind of jumps out at you? Well, I, I mean, for me, it, it – it doesn't go there yet, right? Because again, let's see who visits campus. You know, the, one of the things about this past weekend with visits is everybody got a chance. Okay, Clemson had a huge junior day, right? Out on the West Coast, USC had a huge junior day. Um, that's what you're, you're looking at where these kids are going because this class, everybody wants quick answers, but this class is is in my opinion, and I think if you look at the lack of commitments recently, this class is behind where you usually are in terms of commitments at this point for a class. And it goes back to what I said earlier. When June opened up last year, the focus was on 22s. And yeah, some 23s and for the high-end schools, you know, who can pretty much pick and choose a lot of times, they were able to get ahead and, and get some 23s. But the 23 eval period, it's just getting ready to start for the most part because you didn't have a lot of camps, so you don't have a lot of testing numbers, you know, especially so you look at a place like Virginia and you're looking at, you know, people want kids that play multiple sports. Well, if you're talking about that six hour radius with UVA, football played in the spring last year, football played in the spring last year in North Carolina. Well, that means kids aren't running track. And so maybe you're a little less gung-ho or, or you want to wait for some of these kids to put up some track times 
you know, from the skill positions to see just exactly what you have from the speed element. And so to sit here and say, you know, geez, they, you know, does Tony, is Tony Rojas, the linebacker from, uh, fair from Fairfax is he you know he was at Clemson this weekend I think it's a, a stretch for UVA to get him um yeah Penix Jonathan Penix you know I, I like that too but you know you, you got to see a get to tech which I believe also was on break they, they didn't have visitors um before you start sitting there saying well who should they get or who can they get let's see who wants to visit because you know, if you're talking Tech, UVA, Penn State with the spring breaks, not only did they not have visitors this weekend, but most places aren't going to have visitors next weekend either because everybody's just going to be getting back to campus on Saturday and Sunday. And you don't want to bring a kid on campus in the spring when there's no students around because it's just not a good experience. And then if you're getting ready to start spring practice, you might as well make sure they get up there for a spring practice and make it a, a full day. So, you know, th this goes back to what we spoke about earlier with with Tony Elliott and the staff. You know, you said they didn't re-offer a bunch of kids and they've been very um, they, they haven't offered a lot of kids. Right. It's not like it's not like they're throwing out 20 offers a day. And so you, you have to also look at how you know who do they want you know can they get joel starlings from richmond on campus you know what what kind of things can they do can they get jordan bass from phoebus on campus um there, there's a there's a lot of things that still have to play out instead of just saying hey th these are who they're going to get i mean it, it's not I, I don't see it working that way right now yeah, it's been a, definitely a different type of cycle. And yeah, March 26, yeah. like I said earlier on the podcast, that's the big recruiting weekend. Uh, that's the time where Cameron Fleming, Kieran Boyd, Ronnie Laura, and Fletcher Westfall, a big 2024 lineman, is set to visit yes. UVA. And those are just a few names that we've already confirmed. Yeah, um, I think well, I think Fletcher, Jackie, wasn't Fletcher on If memory serves right, I could have sworn he was on campus either late fall or maybe even in January. He was. Coach 2J has done a good job recruiting right. him as well, him and his family, uh, Fletcher Russell right. husband. He was set to actually visit during January, but because they had that big official visit weekend with all the other old linemen visiting, Coach 2J and, and the family decided to wait until March so that right. he could have more time with them, which was a smart move. And no, it is. And you look at like Fletcher Westfall was at Rutgers this weekend and, and he's a kid that's going to visit a ton of places. And, you know, there, there's a lot of, he's going to have a ton of different options. And so, you know, the job, and, and this is, this will be fascinating to watch. I mean, the job of the assistant coaches is to build the relationships, get these kids on campus. And then it's up to the head coach to close it, to close it out for the most part. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see. Um, I feel like they'll get a, a lot of high quality players on campus. And, and if you don't, that's another issue when it's your first spring as a head coach. But I, I, I suspect that they'll have no problem getting, you know, top kids on campus. But is then can you make them believe in UVA and the UVA education that they can be successful in the ACC recruiting the right kid? I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And. I'm I'm curious to see, and and obviously you have a better handle, and I'd be curious on what your thoughts are, Jackie. But you know, so Clemson was known for not giving out a ton of offers, 
and Brent Venables goes to Oklahoma, and I feel like there's a lot more offers going out at Oklahoma. Tony Elliott goes to UVA. I don't feel like there is just a, you know, a bunch of offers from UVA going out, and maybe you feel differently, but I'm curious to see the two dynamics and and how that works on who's going to offer and, and who's not. Yeah, actually, that's the one biggest thing I noticed. And actually, Anna Hickey that covers Clemson told me that Tony Elliott's belief is if you pick up an offer from me, that's a committable offer. Um, And so he's very selective in an offer. And we've already already seen that. Um, He's not going to offer you just to offer you. Even kids that had offers previously from UVA, they're still in evaluation mode. Um, and I, I think I, I do. I, I do love the whole committable offer thing. Let me help everybody out with this committable <laughs> offer thing. If it's if you can't commit, it's not an offer. It's just talk. Simple as that. It really is. Just like uh, silent commits, art commits until they're public, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, unless I should say I, I I'm a little more flexible on the silence because it may you know they may tell a coach, hey, I'm committed but i'm waiting two weeks to announce on my dad's birthday or mom's birthday or grandma's birthday that's fine so the kids so, so but over yeah but i don't believe and i'm silently committed but i'm going to make other visits now that's I'm, or six I'm months later you're there. still silent yeah i agree there yes. <laughs> uh yeah it's been um that's the one thing that you good thing you mentioned about that because that's the biggest question i could get asked is why aren't there more offers out and i think a lot of that's going to happen right. during the spring because they really don't know what their roster is going to look like and with the transfer portal you know there's gonna be a lot more kids entering the transfer portal at the end of spring yeah and and i really you know what jackie i really like the idea of uva not throwing out a lot of offers and here here's why i mean i i watch what goes on at you know, I'm based in New Jersey, so so I watch what goes on at Rutgers. And in order to have a Rutgers offer, you have to get it from their head coach, Greg Schiano. The assistants do not offer, right? That's just the way it's set up. Whether you agree or disagree is fine, but that's the way it's set up. And so from the Rutgers standpoint, you know, their philosophy is how do we make ourselves different? How do you differentiate Rutgers from other schools? Well, if you get an offer, it means you spoke with the head coach and he's the one extending the offer and so you don't just have an assistant coach going to a high school and having the high school coach say hey i have this 2029 that you need to offer who's in third grade uh he's going to be a guy can you offer him and the assistant oh yeah sure he has an offer so you don't have any of that stuff to where you walk into a school and you know you you watch it and, and you sometimes you see on twitter you know six kids from the school tweeting out an offer and you're like that kid has zero chance to play at that school on some of them. So I, I like the way UVA is doing it. It really makes their offer to me more meaningful. And hopefully they're able to convey that to the prospect, to the high school coach, and to the family to, to make it say, hey, listen, we may not have offered right away, but here's why, because we do it a different way than everybody else. Again, it's when you bring up a good point. It's always about communicating with these high school coaches and families about what's going on and keep that communication open. Because I think that's the one thing that Tony Elliott and his staff, as of right now, have done a good job of keeping those lines of communication open to a lot of the kids they have offered and are interested in. Um, But Brian, you think my four year old 2035 should not get an offer already to go to play football? Well, it depends if he has Lewis's athleticism or your athleticism. <laughs> and and to be honest, Jackie, um, 
your poor children are growing up in a Chelsea household instead of a uh, Liverpool household. So Brian. There's that. Hold on, hold on. There you go. Oh man. Ugh. There you just go, Brian. Stretching a little bit. Just stretching just... a little bit with you, you and your, your Chelsea scarf. That hey, yes. Jackie, you should keep that because that's gonna be a collector's item. You know, your grandkids yeah. are gonna be yeah. like, hey grandma, wait, Chelsea was actually good at one point. Oh, they were in the Premier League. Oh, I, I hope they do well in League Two this year. You know, you know, Brian, I should send a thank you card to all Liverpool fans because if it wasn't for Liverpool losing two to one in 1990, I think in 1998, Chelsea would have been in Division One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so, like to do our part to help out the little clubs. Yeah, except you know, in the last few years, Chelsea have done a good job. You know what? So, Brian, I think this is a great point to end this conversation. <laughs> thanks for everything, Brian, and thanks for. Um, giving us a good insight on uh, Virginia recruiting with us. Hey, appreciate it, Jack. Hey, Jackie, you were yes. doing an incredible job on that site. So it's a pleasure coming on. Thanks, Brian. Remember, we'll have a brand new episode of the Good Old Podcast on Tuesday. It'll be available on anywhere that you listen to your podcast. We are already on Apple and on Spotify. You can also see the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel. So make sure you subscribe to the channel and also hit the bell so you are notified when a new episode has been loaded up and make sure you also review and rate our podcast on apple